ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV Dampener with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Evan Spooner, thank you for coming on ATV Talk. How you doing, Lenny? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm hanging in there. I'm feeling a little better than feeling a little better than I was uh, two weeks ago. Uh, are they? Uh, did you break anything or just just bruises? Yeah, I broke a couple of ribs and uh, I I strained my knee pretty good. There's no surgery required, so luckily it's just rehab time and just kind of taking it easy for a little bit here and getting back into work and stuff like that. But. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make a full recovery. I'm just glad I didn't bonk my head too hard. That was a pretty, pretty high speed crash. So we walked away, um, with the best case scenario, I think. Yeah. I, uh, saw the, the footage and you went from, you know, pretty high rate of speed to zero in the blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. And, and it can all change like that. So you can't, uh, you can't take anything for granted. Every time you line up, it can, I, me and you had talked maybe a minute before the gate dropped, you gave me a hug and we kind of, uh, you know, you, you said good luck and, and then ran off and the gate dropped and, you know, we were battling for a, for a second place position with one of my good friends, Logan Huff, and, uh, just came together, you know, it was a rough course and your tires can bump, you know, within just an inch and they hook up and you know what happens. It looked, it looked in the little brief portion of the footage that I got to see that the, the, the instability of the ground um, causes you guys to just, you guys were just bouncing around and unintentionally touched. Nothing you can do where, you know, we're all going for it in the, the beginning of the race is the most important, whether it's a dead engine start or a live engine start being in the top three off the bat makes your life a whole lot easier coming from the back. It's really hard to get a win uh, or even be on the podium. There's all those guys out there are fantastic. So you got to be up front right off the bat and the pro class is growing this year. So there's some new faces out there and everybody wants it. So you got to, uh, you definitely have to be good off the start and it was just a mistake. You know, it, it happens where, like you said, track was very bumpy tires are in the air and we just hooked, but very glad to see Logan got up. He still had a great finish. Kenny Sanford had a wreck too, right at the beginning before, uh, before we got together, it was just, it was chaotic. 
those are all my, all my good friends out there. So I'm very happy to see everyone walk away and uh, we'll do it again here. Uh, you know, in the next couple months or less. Yeah. The, the, the Sanford one was pretty violent. Uh, you saw the footage, didn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Look, I had a GoPro uh, 360 on, so we we're able to get front and back. Um, a couple of people got photos of that. Kenny sweat, you know, and he almost saved it. He had a really good uh, chance of saving it. He turned the wheels back, but this very mulchy on the outside right there. It's really soft. So the bike just hooked and uh, he was inches away from a photographer and a tree. So luckily everybody was safe. He got back on the bike, Logan back on the bike. Um, you know, I tried to get back on mine. The subframe was pretty bent up and I think I could have rode it, but, um, ribs wouldn't allow me to breathe. It was very, very painful. So I'd made the decision to, to pull off, which was unfortunately a hard decision to make because it's my home track. And I, I think I had a chance of doing really well, but you know, we'll just, just wasn't the right time. So I'll have to try again. Um, probably not next race, but we'll be back out there soon. We'll be back out there soon for sure. So it's, it's not worth, uh, trying to overdo it too quick. I want to have a long rest of my career and, and have some fun. Most importantly. Well, let, let me talk to you about that for a second. I heard a rumor in the beginning of the year and you can set the record straight uh, that you were thinking about retiring. Yeah. A couple of people were, were talking about that just because the last, uh, the end of the year, I mean, we had a good finish at Blythe there on the podium and the last last race didn't go so well when we we're at Prim and then didn't even make the last round at Havasu of last year. Things just weren't coming together. Ended up blowing up a couple of motors the week um before the race. And it just it 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 wasn't in the cards. I just said screw it. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do at that point. I had a brand new Yamaha that we've purchased here. We got a 2020 that we just kind of tore apart and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I just, I took a little time and thought about it and, um, you know, and I did, I did want to continue to race and I, and I do want to continue to race, but doing a full series, um, especially doing multiple different events throughout the year, but sticking with one full series, um, it's very expensive. So, and it's, it's very demanding. So I, I think the best thing for me was just to choose the tracks that I really enjoy. And then I have fun at and just go out there and, and see what we can do as opposed to, being stressed out all the time, trying to put the money together to go to every single race. I think that takes a lot of fun out of it. So, um, I made the decision just to, to cut back a little bit and, and maybe not be at every race, but when we're there, put in a hundred percent effort and be a little bit more prepared. Well, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad you, you know how came back out and I'm glad you decided to keep racing. I think, you know, better than anyone, it's an expensive sport and hobby and it's very dangerous. So those, those two right there are, are it's hard to, it's hard to always be out there. Yeah. We don't even want to get into the, how do you make a, how do you make a small fortune, you know, start racing with a large fortune. Absolutely. That's <laughs> the only way you can do it. Exactly. Um, let's go back and talk a little history. How did you get into riding ATVs? You know, I grew up at the motocross track. My father, um, he raced motocross, but he did a lot of desert racing. He did dirt bikes and off-road trucks. He had a CR 500. So I grew up as a kid out in the dirt. That's all I could remember. My brother, uh, older brother was a very, very good professional quad racer. And I watched him race for a long time. And I grew up on a PW 50 and we were just in a racing family. So it was something I was always around and I wasn't pushed to do it. And I didn't even race a ton as I was a kid. I just did it when I wanted to. And I, I had a lot of success when I was young and 
I didn't push it a lot until I got a little bit older, probably 13, 14. I wanted to go pro and I, I put a lot of training in and um, I ended up doing pretty well for myself at a young age. So I knew it was something I wanted to pursue. And I think it's just a, a good way to, to grow up. Um, I, I think it makes a really well-rounded person when you grow up racing, you're very disciplined and you learn, you learn values at a young age and, um, family time and just being together. It's, it's, it's not something that you can ever, uh, take back. Those memories are pretty incredible. So I think if somebody can grow up like that, they're very fortunate. So I was, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do that and, and still do that. And I'm sure for many years to come, we'll still be doing the same thing. And your dad backs uh, comes with you and backs you and, and helps you with your program. Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I've seen you guys at a lot of even these local events where you got my dad out there, whether it's that or, or a works event, which is a little bit bigger. Uh, he's always there. We, we work very, very hard during the week at our automotive shop and, um, he just puts in so many hours and no matter what, he's still at the race with me. Um, whether we're in Mexico or, or here in Arizona, it doesn't, doesn't matter. He, he'll be there. So he's, he's a great mechanic and a great dad. He's, he's taught me a lot about racing. And, um, I think without him, I would, I wouldn't be here at all. I know that for sure. So he's, he's huge to my program to this day. He's, he, he backs me on, on every level. So I'm, I'm super fortunate to have somebody like that, that can uh, build motors up until midnight the night before the race, if that's what it takes. Cause there's not a lot of people that want to do that. And you're one of them. So, you know, it's, it's whatever it takes. If you want to compete at a pro level and you got to have somebody like that, that's in it hundred percent. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was just thinking about it. I remember seeing your dad back years ago. I don't even want to count back how far it doesn't even look like he's aged and my hair's gray <laughs> and I'm <laughs> and old and he still looks the same. You know what? We go and train before work. He's at the gym every single day. He's there more than me. I think uh, it's, and you know what? That's, that's another thing. Just being disciplined. He's, it's a great, great thing to learn. Um, young because it, it, it never, uh, it never leaves you. It's something that, that if you want to be successful, I think that's, that's the key, right? That's the foundation of it. So every day we, we put in hard work and we get good results. So uh, yeah, he's, he's been around for so many years. He knows every discipline of racing. He's been to all the tracks. So when we go somewhere, it kind of takes a little bit of weight off my shoulders because he just knows the tracks. He's been to so many places. It makes it easy for me to kind of ask him, Hey, what do you think about this or that? And he knows, I mean, he might not, be competing at the level that I am in the last 20 years, but he's been there and he has the experience so he can guide me and make sure that I make the best decisions I can when I'm on the track on my own. So I, I think it's, that's very important to being successful is having somebody to guide you and somebody that's been there and done it and crashed way more times than you can count. <laughs> We're not supposed to talk about those days. No, I don't usually have those days, but until recently, now I'm feeling it. I'm getting close to 30 here and I'm not, I don't like those hard crashes. So I got to try and keep it on four wheels if we can. Brother, you're still a baby. You got like 10, 15 years left to go. Yeah, I'm 28. And then Bo Barron's waxing us at, you know, 40. So we, I better, I better pick up the pace here by, by the time I hit 30. Well, Bo's still got a couple of years because Eichner, I think, won his last title at works when he was 43. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy was an animal. If you want to if you want to look at someone that's this and all, that's Doug for sure. And um, Bo is right there. I mean, those guys are, are second to none. A lot of great riders from the West Coast for sure. But um, 
Yeah. Doug was, Doug was unbelievable. That just shows you it's not, it's not about age. If you want to work hard and if you're willing to train and have the endurance, I think the skill never leaves. If you know how to ride an ATV, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. If you can keep your endurance up, I think that's, that's the number one thing. And he was an animal. He, he could do a work trace and go out there and, and run the whole track in his boots. I, I haven't seen very many people that were, that were on the level that he was besides maybe Josh Fredericks. I, I, you know, it's kind of hard to beat Josh's conditioning when that guy was, when that guy was riding and training. Uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody worked harder. No, I'd say for sure. He was the best off-road riser rider that we'd seen East coast or West coast. I think he was just an animal and there was, there was no telling what he could do. I mean, he could start last place a minute down and go out there and beat the field. He had more drive in discipline than probably any rider combined and, and everybody out there, I'll tell you the same thing. Anybody that's met him can tell you he was, he was the best of the best. And I think the best that we'll ever have seen in, in the work series for sure. Uh, well, that's kind of a bold statement, but yeah, I'm, he's high on my totem pole as well. You know, um, right. I'm probably a little biased cause I'm probably always going to pick Doug. Um, even though, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Josh and I have a lot of respect for Bo. Um, you know, I spent a lot of time with Mike as well. Right. Right. And so, I shouldn't say best, but you, for sure. One of the best, cause Bo, all those guys, I mean, they're all, they're all right there. You can't really pick favorites, but yeah, for sure. They're there's, there's somebody that I, although I look up to all those guys, everybody, even the people I still race with, you know, there's a lot to learn. There's a, there's a ton to learn <clears throat> when you, when you went back, I remember watching you at the ITP series uh, at Glen Helen. And after that series, did you race in Arizona and whiplash or did you guys take uh, a little break from racing? Cause I don't remember seeing you at many races after that. Yeah, we took a little bit of a break. We were doing more of the local stuff and always trying some desert racing, but we did quad cross for many years and we, we had some success in that. Um, I started very young. I think I was 13 when I started racing with um, some of your riders, you know, Garen Fuller, those guys, Joshua, we all raced together in quad cross for years. And uh, my older brother, Jeffrey, he was him and him and your rider, Doug Eichner, they had, they had a lot of battles and they were all, um, they were all going hard. And that was, you know, that was 15 years ago. And then those guys were riding very, very fast. So, um, it's, it's just cool to see kind of how, how things have changed and, um, how, how the Honda is still pretty, pretty competitive this many years later. And, and, uh, you know, the, um, the Yamaha is a great bike, but it's just crazy what, what to see the Honda can do. And it's been so long now that we've been riding those. Yeah. I, I, I'm sad to see them get old. You know, because I like that new platform Yamaha and I've had a little bit of success with it, but God, it's just so hard to get away from the Honda. I agree. I still have a Honda that I ride all the time. It's a great desert bike. I have two Yamahas. Like I said, I got the bike where we're racing now and I have one we're building, but, um, I think it's, there's some advantages with the Yamaha, especially electric start. That's very crucial to a dead engine start. I think that's a huge advantage. But overall, the Honda, um, there's plenty of areas that that it, it works better. It really does, and I don't think I don't I, don't, I think it's going to be very hard to beat. Yamaha is a great bike, like you said, and it's a good platform for any style of racing. But as far as off road and especially desert racing goes, it's going to be hard to beat the Honda for for still years to come. My 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 favorite setup to race desert is still the 0405. That's what I have 0405 with the with the roll design in Elka. I don't think you can beat that setup. 
It's, it's for the desert, dude. I, I just don't, I just don't see a better package. Um, it's just get, starting to get hard to get parts for some of the stuff. I still got a pretty good stockpile, but it is very good, very hard to get parts. So I, I enjoy riding that bike and, um, you know, an 0405, I think is, is just the best desert bike you could ask for. I go cruise it for hours. I'll go out all day and just ride right to the gas station, right? To, it's pump gas. So it makes it easy just to go cruise as long as you want. And, uh, still got plenty of power. Exactly. What part of AZ are you in? We're in uh, Phoenix, North Phoenix area. So we're just about 15 minutes from uh, where, where the works race was at Canyon at Peoria. So a lot of good areas over here for us to ride. And um, we, we saw that out of your property. Yeah. You know, I'm not too far from the desert. I'm probably five minutes. So my Honda is street legal and we can ride it right from the property. But um, if I just need to throw in the pickup, it's only five minutes on the road and I have miles and miles of desert. So um, as, as they started to close motocross tracks out here over the last five or 10 years, we were very limited. And, um, I grew up riding in the desert, so I know a lot of good spots and that's kind of what turned me on to the, to the works racing was we didn't, didn't have motocross tracks anymore. Um, the setup wasn't too much different, you know, bigger tires and a tank. So once I got that on, I was hooked and I just rode the desert every day and started signing up for some off-road races and did really well right off the bat. So that's kind of what inspired me to, to get back racing everything I could and just had a total blast doing something new. It was, uh, something new to learn because motocross is totally different. I was kind of bored of that, to be honest. So that's, it's kind of a blessing in disguise that all the, all the tracks closed out here because now I just have a new love for the desert and it doesn't cost you anything. You ride as much as you want and just go have a good time. That's pretty awesome. You're, you're pretty lucky, you know, that I'm you very, very lucky. Well, yeah, you live in an area. We used to be able to ride a lot here where, where my dad's house is. Um, and as the growth happened, um, less and less riding areas, they built, uh, houses on one of the really good riding spots, you know, and it, it just dwindles away to where now everything we want to do is put it in a truck and we're driving an hour, you know? Yeah. And it's unfortunate because that's everywhere. Not just where you are. It's, it's been the same way for us. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to solve a spot that's close to us, but there's dozens of spots who grew up riding that have either been developed or shut down. So it's, it's just something that we're going to have to, you know, deal with because you can't do too much about it, but I think no matter what, there'll be OHV areas and there's going to be, um, you know, designated riding areas and, and, hopefully that that won't change too much where we're we're too restricted but uh it's it's definitely changed a lot compared to when i was a kid you could ride from almost anywhere and it's just so many people have moved everywhere it's it's developed and all the desert spots are going away yeah it's it's, it's getting rough isn't it unfortunately but we're we're still pretty lucky where we're at i don't think that's going to happen well that area grows up in in fingers um, little, little finger spots develop, uh, it, from what it looks like when you drive out there, you know, you see this little ridge line's got some houses on it and that one over there. And, <laughs> but it, but there, it's not consistent. So I don't know how they're figuring out which ridge line they want to build on. Right. A lot of the terrain out here is real rugged. So it's hard for them to build. So that makes it to where I, I think we're always gonna have somewhere to ride. A lot of mountains, a lot of rocks, a lot of cactus. It just, it makes it too, 
it's just, it, it's, it's too much of a hassle to try and maneuver through all that. So it, it gives us an area where we can ride the quads, tons of UTVs out here. So yeah, it, it makes it uh, easy to ride along the lakes and everything like that. We have, we have some good areas where we can do that and mountain bike and train and, and get all our stuff done. So it's pretty cool living out here. I mean, I've, I've explored a lot of California racing and, um, there's, there's some pretty unreal spots, but I think Arizona is definitely one of the best States to live in. There's been a lot of really, really great off-road riders that have came out of Arizona. So I think there's something to be said for that. That's it. That is. And, and I, trust me, I, I love the terrain out there. My wife's not too keen on it, but I, I love it. Um, did you get to spend much time at speed world? I raced at speed world my whole life. That was an awesome track. And that was, that was kind of the start of, um, you know, not having a motocross track to ride. Cause we would ride there at least two or three times a week. It was like a second home for us. So, um, grew up racing quad cross out there for years and, and did the local series for many years. And that was a really good track for motocross or for work. So I think that was a, that was a huge bummer for all the racers from, from every state that they races in the Southwest. Cause in my opinion, that was, that was a great track. Well, yeah, the Lucas series came there with the trucks and the cars and they had drag racing there. They had so much going on. It, it was just a, it was just a crying shame. And, and from what I've driven by there, they haven't done anything with the land. They shut it down for no reason. For no reason. It's, it's a bunch of politics. I really don't know why they did that. And and I've been out there a few times and, and went around the track, you know, there's a lot of weeds growing, but it's still the, the same as it was. It, if you prepped it, it'd be ready to roll. So, but from what I hear, um, a few, a few months back, I heard that somebody bought the land and they're going to be opening it again. So I, I don't know that anything's happened yet, but I think that's in the works. So I think that could be really good and potentially give the work series and, and other, other events, uh, you know, a venue to come to that we're familiar with and that, that would be able to hold the capacity of all the racers. Yeah. That would be just something amazing to have that venue back. Absolutely. And, you know, I think Canyon held a pretty good venue, um, for the race a, co- a couple weeks ago and it was a really good track. It was very technical with all the rocks, but it's extremely dusty. And, and that, is, that makes it difficult, um, for the racers and it makes it a little bit dangerous. So, uh, I think speed road was a little bit better on, on keeping the track watered so that the dirt out there is a, a little bit more forgiving. And, uh, I think that that might be a, a good spot for us to come next year. So I, I think they're going to, from what I hear, it's going to be, it's going to be open to the end of the year. So we'll have to see what happens. Might be a good spot for us to uh, do a little riding. I think it would be great. I would love to come back for that race and and just to see the facility again, you know, because right. we've been a lot of years there. Um, let me ask you your perspective, because you had mentioned uh, a little bit of the danger of riding in the dust. Um, and I asked uh, someone else this question uh, that races with you. Um, do you think grooming the facility or grooming the track is true to form for off-road? Or do you think that having the the facility not groom the racetrack or the off-road racers is better because it is true off-road? I think it can go both ways. I think sometimes it can be a little too dangerous. And there's now that the UTVs have gotten so fast and, and they've came a long way, um, the tracks get really torn up and, and I'm all for having a rough track, but it's, 
sometimes in my opinion, I just think it can be too dangerous. So the, there, there are certain areas that in my opinion should be groomed. Having it rough is what separates the best rider. So it does need to be rough. That's very important, but there, there's a fine line between rough and safe. And sometimes before the pros go out, um, you know, they'll make changes and, and Randy Perry, those, those guys that, that run works are very professional and they always look out for our best interests. So I'm grateful for that, but yeah, it's just, it's, you know what, sometimes uh, the track gets so torn up where I think it, it can be unsafe and we're, we're almost coming off the bike. I think Havasu is definitely one of the rougher ones where we're getting sketchy every lap, but you know what, that's, that's what it takes. If, if we're going to be out there, we get, we, we all sign up for this, but in my opinion, those guys in the, in the work series who everything they can to make it safe um, will also, you know, giving us a, a track that will separate the riders because if it is groomed too much and it's a freeway, it, it comes down to the start and there's, there's not a lot of passing. So I, I think leaving it rough gives a rider an opportunity to have a bad start and still come through the pack, but track has to be watered very well. The dust makes it super dangerous um, track like Canyon. I don't think you could ever keep enough water on it, but somewhere like prim where it's Sandy will hold more than enough water to, to not get dusty. So really depends on where you're at, but, um, somewhere like Mexico, you race in Baja, it's going to be so dusty where you, you, sometimes you can't see in front of you at all. So it's, it's, it's a dangerous sport for sure. I think the dust is, is in my opinion, probably the, the scariest part when you can't see what's ahead of you and you're usually going at a pretty high rate of speeds. So, so what's your technique in the dust to stay competitive? I make sure when it's really dusty, trying to ride the person in front of you is, is going to set you back because you can't see for one. And if they check the brakes, you're usually going to run into them. So and when it's dusty for me, it's about being patient there. Even if it's dusty, there's always areas on the track that are wide and, and you can kind of ride the edge of the track and get out of that. So I think being patient in the tight areas is, is the best approach to it. I think that's the best technique you can have where you make less mistakes and, and slower is faster. When you get to the wider areas of the track, usually in the motocross portions, you can hammer down and get out of that dust. So I, I think you just have to wait for the right opportunity. That's, that's one definite different way of looking at it. I like the fact that you've used the word patient. That's generally not in the vocabulary of a racer. It's generally not, but I've learned that as I've got older and especially with, uh, with the conditions that, that I've learned to ride in, in off-road, it's not like a motocross race where, you know, it, it's over in 20 minutes. So you have to be patient. And that's something that's was really hard for me in the beginning. And you even told me that when I first started racing works, I would beat myself up a lot. Um, you know, when I would start off well and, and burn out too quick, even though my endurance was good, it was just a, it was a whole different style of racing. So I think that's something I've learned a lot in the last, you know, three years or so that I've been doing this. I like to give the advice, live in your world. Right. The worst thing you can do is, is the worst thing you can actually do is race against the guy in front of you. It's not if about you, that. If you're worried about them, you're never going to be able to ride the way you want to. You just gotta, you gotta worry about what you can do and ride the best you can. And, and sometimes that's a first, sometimes it's a fifth, but if you, if you don't accept that, you're going to beat yourself up every time. And then you're never out front. So I, I think that's huge. And it's, it's hard when you get to a high level of racing because we all train very hard and send thousands of dollars to do this. But if you're not having fun, then you shouldn't be racing. Exactly. Cause 
because you ain't going to make any money at it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we might make five, 800, you know, which, which might cover some of the fuel and, and some of the hotel fees, which is fine. But yeah, there, there's not a lot of money in this unless um, you're one of the, one of the select few, you know, Dustin Nelson's Bo Barons that, that have put everything into it and then have been very successful and haven't had a lot of injuries, which is really hard to do. But if you want to have a long career, you look at those guys and you take notes because they, they have figured it out and they, they've had a great time doing it. And I, I'm jealous because those guys are all my friends and, and they make a great living to this day, riding four wheelers and two wheelers. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's, I love the sport. I've been very blessed to have been born into it and you know, it's a family affair. My father's 85 and still does it. And he's the founder and my brother owns Duncan racing. And I've been able to work there and travel the world to, to do this. And, uh, I'm so blessed every day. I love being in the industry. Um, hopefully I'll work it out to, to be coming back to the, to the races and, and spending some time with you guys. Um, because you're my family away from family and I hope that works out, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I have some irons in the fire and, and you got to tend them just right to, to, to make those deals work out. Um, I wanted to ask you, you've raced a long time and you've been a lot of different places. Where's your favorite place to race and where's the most unfavorable place to race? That's, that's a good question because I think everybody has a track that they dread going to. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been racing a long time now. I started racing, I started racing 450 Hondas. Uh, I had been riding my whole life, um, EPW fifties, LT80 quads, and just, you know, grew up at the track. But I think, like I said, when I got pretty competitive, it was maybe around 2005 when I got a, a big bike and, uh, we built a Honda 450 and just started going at it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that's been going on for over 15 years now racing professionally. It's just crazy to think that it's been that long, but, um, out of everywhere we've traveled, I would say if you're racing, the best track would be Cahuilla Creek in, in uh, Southern California, which you're very familiar with the motocross section and the work section is incredible. Um, a lot of good tracks in, in California and in, in the United States, but I would say that that's my favorite overall. I would say my least favorite would be uh, Mesquite, Nevada, because the track <laughs> is just extremely dreadful and you, uh, you don't have a lot of fun out there. I mean, the motocross section is awesome. A lot of big jumps, but the sand washes out there are treacherous. So I, you know what? I, uh, I would say that's one that I definitely don't look forward to. No laugh. That was my last points racing works race ever. No way. Yep. So I don't have to tell you about that track. No, I am not a fan of that venue, but there again, I am a fan because I liked so many portions of it. Uh, the, the motocross chat, the motocross section, a couple deals for me, cause I don't like to jump sketched me out a little because it, you, you had to jump some of them, you know, granted I wasn't in the pro class, but I was in the 38 class and it was super competitive. Um, and my, my last year, um, and you, there was just jumps you had to jump and I, it was not, 
I'm not jumping like you guys do. Trust me. You know, I <laughs> trying to keep my wheels on the ground as much as possible, but um, I liked some of the back section because it suited my skill level and my riding in Oh four. When we went there and I was riding the Kawasaki 700, there were Volkswagen sized whoops in the wash in the back. I have seen them that big. I, I completely agree. And I second that it, it's something you've never seen before. And I've ridden all over Baja. I've ridden all over Mexico and there's some treacherous whoops there, but the ones in Mesquite are, I think the biggest that I've seen, but I will agree with that. There are parts of the track that are as good as, is any, um, you're riding along the river in the back and it's just beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. When I was there, the, the first year I ever went there, um, I think it was probably three or four years ago. There was, there was snakes and wildlife and all kinds of stuff across the track real early in the morning and unclassified. So it was really, really cool. Um, and, and I think that that's, uh, that that's something that, uh, that the sport needs, especially the work series, you got to have at least one or two tracks that are, that are very, very demanding and difficult. And that'll separate, that'll separate riders. Um, and I, th I think it's good for, for all the guys we race with to, to have to test themselves and, and put, put their skills and their endurance to the limit. And I would say that that's, that's one of the tracks that does it, um, even more so than maybe like Havasu or, or some of the other ones, Prim, they're all, they're all really rough, but that, that one takes the cake for me. I think that Havasu is your ultimate measuring stick. You think about some of the guys that have had success in the work series and I'll, and I'm going to name four because I know that these four individuals have had the ultimate success at Havasu. Eichner, Fredericks, Baron, and Sloan. I completely agree. All four of those guys have dominated at that I track. Think, I think they're all a little nuts. Oh, for sure. And you know what? I think a reason I know Havasu is probably the roughest track on the circuit, but I think a reason it doesn't bother me is because every time I've raced there, I've been on the podium. So I just think that I have good vibes there. And, uh, you know, I ride, uh, the sand whoops all the time. It's not too different than, than what's by my house. So I'm real familiar and I'm comfortable. Uh, as long as your endurance is good and in check, I, I think that, um, it's it's definitely something that it it, it tests you for sure if it, it shows who's a man or not because it's it's usually pretty hot at those rounds i know that they've done some later in the year um they've had to switch things around because of covid but um generally speaking it's pretty hot when we race at have so that that's that's a test and that that shows you who's who for sure hey, i've been there in torrential downpours i think we were there one year and a hundred year, the hundred year monsoon. It was, it was unbelievable. It was just wheel deep water around the whole course. And then a couple of years later, we're there and it's 112. So it's, it's just drastic one or the other. And I wasn't at that. Um, I was not that race when they had that downpour, but I do remember seeing photos. It was insane. I don't even know how those guys made it on the track, quite frankly, I know a lot of people at DNFs, but that's, that's just something you don't want to have to deal with, but it, it happens usually once a year, you have one bad mud race. Well, that was back when it was pro and amateur. So there was a pro line and an amateur line and that was it. And, and Eichner and I both led, we both washed out and ended up getting fourth. 
So he got fourth <laughs> in the pro class and I got fourth in the amateur class. And, and we got the, the, the water ran through or we washed enough water off the track that we could get our machines to run. But yeah, that we, we, we hurt ourselves that day because that costs a lot of money to fix those motors after all that mud ran through them. Oh yeah. That destroys the bike. You got to rip everything apart. I've been there and that's, that's tough because we're already spending a ton of money. So when you got to completely build the, build the bike back from the frame, it's, it's tough. And most of these races are usually two, three weeks apart. So when you're working a full-time job, which 99% of us do, it makes it very difficult to get the bike back together and still be able to practice. A lot of guys work off one bike. So it's, it's, it's tough, but, uh, if you know how to work on your bike yourself, that, that can save you a lot. Um, you know, having, having somebody like yourself to build a prep the bike and make sure that it's dialed is awesome. If you can rely on somebody like that and know that, um, you're, you're getting a bike that's, that's going to be good all the way to the end. That's awesome. I'm just very lucky that me and my father can, can do it and try and keep me on the track because it's, it's tough uh, going to all these races. So we're, we're doing everything we can to try and keep them together ourselves. And it's, it's hard. We're working five, six days a week. So we usually have one day to practice and to, uh, to get these bikes together. You know, it is tough and, and it's very fortunate for the riders that have the guy that does most of the work for them. It doesn't get you off the hook as far as a rider, but it not even close. It does allow you to stress about other things instead of worrying about your machine. Absolutely. Even if you can do basic maintenance, that's very important. It cuts a little bit down on costs. And I think it keeps the longevity of your motor. You know, you got somebody like yourself building motors all the time. If you can try and change that oil, every ride, you air filter, every ride, the basic stuff, it doesn't cost much. And that's going to keep your, your overall cost down every year tremendously. And I think a lot of people overlook that. Well, I, you know, as much as I love to build bikes, um, creating that first machine, to roll out on the starting line for the first day, day one of the series. That's always the best. It's so special. They, they, they're so awesome. They're so clean. They're so perfect. And then you bring back this dirty banged up machine. And I'm like, that's not what I gave you. Looks like a total. looks like a dirty for the gen card after one race. That's why we always <laughs> try and get as many photos as we can. Hope somebody like Harlan is at the race where you can, you can get some bike, you can get some pictures of the bike and remember how nice it was because that's usually one time per year uh, that, that you see it like that. So it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It is usually at the beginning of the year. It's usually in January. It's cold. Everybody's got new gear, new bikes, and it's probably the best feeling that you can have as a racer. You always feel confident in your machine and uh, nobody ever knows what's going to happen. And everything's changed real quick. So every year there's somebody that's a little bit faster. Well, I think that, uh, you know, unfortunately you had a wreck this time, but I think that you were making a change to the front of the pack this year from everything that I had been seeing. Former off-road professional Garen Fuller with his team at EC Homes, a top-notch real estate company, will help you buy or sell a home. Visit our website, echomesforsale.com to get a free analysis on your home. Please mention ATV Talk for a 1.5% listing fee. Visit echomesforsale.com. Make sure you let them know who sent you. You know, 
Yeah, definitely. I, I had some things um, holding me back in the last few years. My hands were going numb a lot. I was done with carpal tunnel. I ended up getting that fixed last year and uh, spent a lot of time just working on my body, my fitness. And I think we we definitely had a chance to come out at that round and, and be on the box and fight for the win for sure. Um, obviously, the guys running up front had some issues and anything can happen. So that was a super big bummer because I think I, I threw away what could have, what it should have been. But I do think that uh, we'll be back on the podium sooner than later. And uh, hopefully I'll get, get a wind checked off before we, uh, before we retire. But I think that'll, that'll happen for sure. Just got to make sure that uh, we come back healthy and don't try and, and, and do it too early. I, I, I think that uh, we, we have it in us to, to do really well and we'll be coming out with a brand new bike. So I think when that time comes, um, which my goal is for Vegas, I think that's near the end of April. So uh as long as that race doesn't get canceled, I think we're going to make the return then. And, and I think we're going to be running up front. I'm feeling really good and uh, just going to take the next couple of weeks to try and heal up and hopefully um, get back to hundred percent. And I think that we stand a chance of doing really well. And um, just like, I'd like to see the, the pro class continue to grow, you know, and having every rider we can out there is very important for the sport. Have you looked at this ATV side-by-side schedule? Um, you know, I haven't looked at it recently. I haven't looked at it in a few weeks. Well, I'm, I'm looking at it right now and Vegas isn't on it. No, that, yeah, it was, they must've changed it already. You got, you got, uh, um, Havasu coming up, but you're going to miss that one. You're going to come back for Taft in April. Yeah, I was thinking about Taft. They had it. They had it slated not long ago where we were going to go to Vegas after Taft. Um, they were now, like you said, going to have us here here in I think two weeks. That was initially scheduled for Prim, having some issues um, with the venue in the state of Nevada, and which is I think what happened with the Vegas round. But that one was still on. I think a week and a half or so ago. So I'm not sure what happened there, but yeah, things are very uncertain in the world we live in right now. So if we're able to race anywhere, I think we can, we consider ourselves lucky. So I think we just kind of go with it and whatever, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on the, on the 20th. It says round six, 20th party weekend. I don't know what that means. I don't know where it's at. I don't know anything about that one. Yeah, I think that I think that was the Vegas round. So I'll pull it up real quick. But I, I'll you know, and I can touch base with the. I talked to the, to the guys at work today about some things. So I'll have to, uh, have to find out. But I, I really hope that we go there because I, I ended. Up, I only raced there once and I ended up second. But I think it's a great course and going in and out of the arena is is just an awesome experience. I think it's a very very cool different style of racing little bit tighter you go out on the pavement and you're hitting uh more of an enduro cross style style track and i think it's it's good for us because it's totally different and it and it separates us um but well yeah we'll have to see how things go and how it plays out but i'm hoping that they still do that round i hope so too i like going to vegas um it's cleaner it's a little easier on your crew it's a little easier on your machine um it if you ever got to race or know anything about Mickey Thompson races, those stadium stuff where you're at a, at a venue that's, you know, you run a a practice, then you run a qualifier, then you run a heat race and then you run a main event and your machine comes back from the main event 
you know, you take it back and give it a spritz and it's ready to go to the race the next, you know, in, in two weeks or three weeks later, because it's, it's not as hard on the machine. And it, when you're dealing with the cost that we are to build these machines, you have to have some type of races or rounds that aren't so costly. I think Taft's one of those facilities that's not super, super hard on the machine. I agree. I think Taft is, is a little bit easier because the, the track's not very, very rough. It's a little bit more hard packed, a lot of good flowing drums and it's not as hard on the bike. But, um, yeah, I think with Vegas, my, my bike wasn't even dirty. Usually we wipe off the number plates and usually I've been working my way through the pack and we have to clean the bike off so much before we get onto the podium and try and try and represent our sponsors to help get us the races. But at the Vegas round, I couldn't even believe it. My bike wasn't dirty at all. I mean, it was incredible. It was like, we're just riding around in the parking lot. So we just loaded it up and the uh, bike was ready to go again. Like you said, day later, just change the air filter. And it was, it was good. It's crazy. Change the oil, change the air filter and you're good to go. Yep. Yeah. You, you do some of these other rounds and, and you're taking them down to the frame somewhere like Havasu, we, we break off a majority of the parts on the bike or, or damage them. So it's, it's like you said, it's nice to have a round where we can financially recover. What was your opinion of the ruling at the end of the last round? You know what? I wish I could have been there to watch the race because uh, you know what I got, I obviously had a very rough start, you know, um, having, a, having that crash and I, I got hauled off to the hospital right away, but I, I wasn't there for, for any of it. So I didn't, I didn't really get to see, but uh, yeah, it was crazy. I didn't, I, I couldn't believe it. That's why I was bummed that I, that I crashed out because I think it would have been an awesome race. You just, so many rocks out there and people having issues and just all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> But I, I, like I said, I, I didn't really, I, yeah, I, I didn't I'll really break it down to the, I'm not, I'm like, this is third hand. So I might have a couple details incorrect. Um, some slower riders got stuck in the pro section in the rocks. Right. I heard that. And Bo's leading with a, with a very comfortable lead. Right. Several minutes. When I understand from what I hear, there was no official there tending the area. Right. Right. And I'm not, I'm not saying there was, or wasn't, I'm just saying that's what I heard. I heard that as well. And I went there, I, I was hardly walking, but I went to the dirt bike race the weekend after, and I took some videos right there at that same pro section you're speaking of. And there was two officials there. So I, you know, I, I think they, they knew that could be a very tight spot and with quads, you know, usually in a pro line, there's not room for more than one with the dirt bikes. It's a little bit different, but yeah, you definitely in those, in those very technical rough areas, you want to have, have somebody, if you can, to try and try and help a stuck rider because these pro line riders are great, but um, you know, every one of those riders as well as the pros has to go to the section. So there's a lot of guys on the track and some of them aren't on quite the same skill level. So it can be easy to get stuck in. And, and those bikes are so hot. If it's an electric start, it's usually not going to restart right away. So it makes it difficult when somebody like Bo, myself, whoever is coming to the pack on lapped riders, if they're on the way, sometimes you got nowhere to go. And it's tough because it, it's, it sucks when you're leading, especially, but at any point you don't want to stop in the middle of a race. Do you think that they made the right decision diverting everyone else? 
you know what? Sometimes you got to make decisions right on the spot. And usually if the, if the pack is just piling up one after another, a decision needs to be made. It needs to be made immediately. Otherwise everybody's going to be at idle. So usually if, if there's a spot where it's too bound up and you need, you need a couple people to try and untangle bikes, sometimes you gotta, you gotta flag them around. So that, that, you know, that's always a good call to try and keep everyone safe, especially if you have people on the track trying to move bikes. But like I said, I didn't get to, I rode that pro section. Um, a few times the last few weeks I was riding all around Canyon, getting ready for the race. So I was very familiar with that area, but I didn't get to go through it for the race, obviously. So, um, but you know what, before we even started, I I had a good feeling and I even tried to move some rocks around and clear it out because I knew people were going to bunch up right there. I already pictured that happening. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with Randy's decision. Um, Randy knows what he's feel, doing. That's for sure. It's just, it's I tough. Just feel it's, bad. It, I just feel bad that, I mean, I don't think it, it, it will never know if it costs Bo the race. We'll never know. We'll never know. Exactly. Uh, and, but it, it just is a bummer that it had to happen that way. It, it sucks the way, you know what? It's, it's, it's a bummer for myself too. The way it, I, I really think we could have battled for a win. I, I ride Canyon all the time. And I knew that track like the back of my hand and we had a really good start. So it, it sucks, but yeah. And, and Bo is a good friend of mine. So it, it's a bummer to, to see him have to battle through, uh, you know, tough times like that and persevere, but he always does it. He's iron man. So he, he always figures out a way to be back to the top of the podium. And he's got so many championships for a reason. So I, I don't think he's stressed. I think he, uh, I think he knows he'll, he'll be very strong at the next race and just go from there and just kind of take it one race at a time and not try and worry too much about the, the big picture just yet. I would have loved to have seen the finish of that race. If, if you and Logan and Travis Damon all wouldn't have had issues. We all would have battled. Kenny Sanford's a great rider. Um, you know, Mike Meepo, I think, I think the first few laps would have been a complete brawl for the lead. Um, but like you said, shoulda, woulda, coulda, we'll never know. But, um, luckily we have another race out here in Arizona in Wickenburg, which is probably 45 minutes from my house. Uh, my friend Matt Hancock lives right there. There's a couple, couple riders out here that live close to that area, but very similar to, to Canyon Rocky and, and dusty. And I think I have a, uh, a chance to show what we can do again. So hopefully we can, um, get ourselves off to a better start and, and try and, um, try and make it up a little bit because I feel like I owe it to myself to, uh, to put a good finish on in, in my hometown. So I'm excited for that one. And I'm grateful that we get to race in Arizona again, somewhere a little bit closer to home. Um, yeah. in, in a new venue for us. I don't, I don't think we've been there before. I, I've been there in the AZOP, the local series, but I don't think we've been there at work. So that, that's cool to go to a new track because it does get tiring going to the same track year after year. I know the guys kind of, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of the fun out of it. They, they kind of get, get bored. So it's nice to go somewhere different in my opinion. What do you think about going to Idaho? You know what? I watched some videos of that track the other day. It's that, that, is going to be a, a far drive for a lot of us. Some of the guys live closer to that way. It might not be too bad, but for a lot of us that live in, in Southern Arizona, Southern California, that's going to be a long drive. So I think it's cool in, in June that we can still race because if we were to race over here, I think it would just be too hot. And it's, um, it's a little bit of a rest rider to heat stroke. I don't think that it's safe no matter how hard you train. And I'm sure a lot of riders will agree, but I know it'll be quite a bit cooler up there. And, and it looks like a decent track. I know, um, 
national grand prix series has been there and a couple other big events so it looks cool i'd seen a cornfield real close to the track and i think we might be uh more of like a gncc field to go through some of that so we'll have to see uh how that shapes up and hopefully that one stays on the on the schedule as well things are changing week by week right now um and the way that i don't think you've got to worry about arizona and idaho i think that they're pretty pretty solid with the way they're doing things I completely agree. I think it'll be a solid for sure. I don't see that one changing, but um, we'll just have to hope for the best. I'm looking at the the schedule with Wickenburg being in September. It's going to be raging hot in Arizona then. That's going to be super hot. But um, for me, you know, I've been riding in those conditions my entire life. So I don't think it's going to be a problem. And I know that Randy will probably have us go um, earlier on. We might even go ahead of some other classes. Um, that don't go quite as long as us. And he might even cut down the race from say 90 minutes to 75 or even an hour. I guess it really depends on how hot it is. And, and he always makes the best decision for us. So um, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I agree. I know it's going to be well. I just, just roll you guys out there at 7am run you your hour and a half. I, I'd almost like to see what, what would you think of this platform? If he broke the hour and a half race up for you guys, and raced a moto for 45 minutes on Saturday and a 45 minute on Sunday. I think that would be bitching. I think they should do that and do it at seven in the morning, like you said. And I think it'd be awesome. Um, especially it's going to be light out real early in September still. And it's going to be very hot. You know, I'm like I said, I'm been, been born and raised in Arizona. So I know how hot it will be And August, September. It'll still probably be a hundred degrees even through the night. So if we can try and get out there early in the morning, I think we'll all be just fine. But, um, I, you're going to roll into, um, Southern California in the first week of October. And it's generally hot. Absolutely. It's usually so hot at Glenhound on the tail end of, of September. So it, it, it'll, it'll be rough for us for sure. Um, I think races in a row. Yeah. I think a lot of riders will end up getting IVs, um, the day before that's usually a good call. And, um, just trying, you know, stay as hydrated as you can. But for me, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. And I know I'm going to be just fine because I've done it for years and I continue to, to train in the heat all the time. I go out hiking and running in the heat and we'd re-ride in the heat a lot. So uh, I think my body is very acclimated to it, but I think it can be dangerous for certain people that aren't used to those temperatures. So, um, I, yeah, if, if they were to run, you know, two 45 minute motos, I think that'd be super cool. That would give some. That was just me throwing something out there just to, it, yeah. it's like, it's just like you run the 90 minutes, um, and you, everybody has to pit obviously. Um, and at one point they were talking and I don't know if it was Randy or, or Sean was talking about a mandatory tire change. Wow. That, you know, when that might've been when, when Sean was still involved, but that's, that's something to think about too. That would be pretty cool. But I, I really like the idea of two races of 45 minutes. Um, to break it up, just to change it up on you guys. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. A little bit easier on the machines. It gives everyone a little bit more of an opportunity. If you don't have a good start and it, it can kind of uh, give you more of an overall finish, uh, more of a, an AMA style race than, than just one moto format. So 
I think they, they should do that regardless of the temperature at two or three rounds a year. Um, you know, I'm all for having a long race and I, I like going 90 minutes, but I think having a race like that brings a little bit more fun to it and, uh, spreading it out through the weekend can, can be a little bit funner. Um, and the track, the track shapes up differently. You make suspension adjustments, things like that, tire pressure. So I think it gives you more time to adjust your machine and get comfortable and uh, makes it a little bit safer for, for hot temperatures. But I think it would be cool to, to try out and see what everyone thinks. And I, and I don't think that uh, it's a bad idea by any means. I guarantee you more than half the people would vote to do that, in, in, in my opinion. I just, I just like the, the throwing a wrench in it when the guys show up and, hey, we're going to run a different format this weekend, guys. Here you go. You're right. And then I'm in this time on, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where we are in the schedule at this time and this time you're on. Right. Right. Everybody's especially with the longer races, fuel strategy. There's a lot that goes into it. So with the shorter race, it kind of changes it up. Um, I, I think that would, that's something we need. And a lot of these guys have been racing this series for years. So I think the more fun we can have and mix it up a little bit, the, the funner it makes going to the races. Because yeah, back in the beginning of the series, they were, they broke it down. You know, you had to qualify for the pro class. So they had an open and a production race on Saturday one in the morning, one in the afternoon, you know, they were about four hours apart. Like I think one was at 10 and one was at two. And, um, some of the guys would run all three. Um, and some of them would like Eichner would run the production and then sometimes he'd run the open. And, uh, we had multiple bikes at that time. So it was very fortunate and he would run his, his practice bike or his motocross bike in the second class in the second day, not to put too many miles on the race bike. Yeah. If you can have multiple bikes and if, you know, if you ride all the time, then you're not going to get tired, putting putting a little bit more time in on the track. And I think it makes you better for the race day. So, um, if I had the opportunity to do that now, I would, and I, I really think it would be cool if they had an open pro class because, um, we're very limited on, on what bikes we can ride since Yamaha is the only one making a production bike at this time. So, um, there's a lot of companies out there, Walsh, JB, um, making hybrids that are phenomenal bikes that really handle well. And, you know, you can make them off-road specific with forward arms and this and that. But I think if we had an open pro class, it might bring a little bit uh, more attention to the series, having different bikes out there. And it might give different riders the opportunity to, to come out and, and try something new uh, and even maybe get some of the guys from the East coast that run those hybrids to come out. But with the production rule, really makes it difficult um, to ride anything other than a Honda or Yamaha. So I think it might be better for the series to, to try and have an open class again. You need to drop it in on Saturday too. Right. So even the guys that race on in the production Sunday can still race their production mean machine in the open class. It doesn't matter. And your CC limit doesn't apply, you know, so you can roll the hybrids in, if you wanted to run bigger bores, you can, you know, right. and you could bring an LT 500 out versus a Banshee. You know, you could see some of the other stuff come out and race and there's no limitations on it. You know, and if it's a 45 minute or a 50 minute race, it'd be awesome. 
I think that's something they should look into for sure. And there's some guys that, you know, even have the two strokes, like you said, at the, at the Canyon round, we had a, a roll design Lobo 250R um, that we brought out and, and rode a little bit. And, and I think it'd be really cool to go out on a bike like that and just go do it for fun. So I, I think that uh, that's something they should look into before. And it's nothing that, that I've talked to Randy about. And I don't know if it's been discussed recently, but I, I definitely think that would be a cool change if it's something they could integrate into the, into the series for next year. Yeah, because you let the three wheelers race, you know. Yeah, yeah, those are awesome. I I grew up riding three wheelers right in Mexico on the beach, so I I it's it's just a very nostalgic thing to see those on the track. It's cool. I remember I remember riding my two fifty R into the Miramar Bar, into the Miramar Bar when I was nineteen. <laughs> Uh, down in San Felipe. So I know exactly where that is. I would have loved to see that. But I mean, it's nothing like it is now. Um, right. you, well, the first time I went back after years not going, I'm like, yeah, this is way nicer. And if I ride my bike and if I rode my three wheeler in here now, they'd shoot me. Yeah. The whole back section wasn't all nice and everything. It was just a, it was almost like a reserve parking deal for the motorcycles and the, and the three wheelers. Um, so yeah, and lots of things have changed, but, uh, I miss well, some of the three wheeler days. I just don't miss riding three wheelers. Yeah. They were pretty dangerous. I grew up riding those. I, I don't think, uh, I think it's a good thing for everyone. They stopped making them, but I do think it's a, it's a cool era for sure. They, but, they started making them all over again. Right. Right. Yeah. Now they're making them high performance. It's crazy. But yeah, it, yeah it, Go ahead. It's well, you're on that subject of, of being in San Felipe. I would say if you with no matter what you're riding between San Felipe or Ensenada is, I think that's the best place in the world that you can ride is in Mexico on the beach. It, it does not get any better in my opinion. I haven't got to ride on the, um, the Pacific coast side only in the Gulf. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun in San Oh yeah. And, uh, I haven't got to ride south down where my wife's from because my wife's from Guadalajara and I, and we haven't done any off-roading down there yet. Uh, yeah, I think if we do, we'll probably do it in a, in the Jeep. Yeah. That'd be a good time. I, I love exploring all over Mexico. It's beautiful. The people, the culture, it's, it's great. And they always are very welcoming to us and, uh, they love racing. It's, it's really cool to be down there. I, I, I would like to have a house there one day. That is definitely a goal for sure. I, I think it's a great place to be. And, uh, it's very relaxing, very mellow and just all around a good time. And you're not too far from, you know, right where you're at in San Diego. So if you're on the Pacific side, I think it's a good place to be. I've spent a lot of time over there pre-running and, uh, and riding. And, and I think it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty epic. We get to, we get to go down to Chapala, which is um, uh, I'm navigation navigationally uh, inept, so I think it's south of Guadalajara. <laughs> it, it, it could be uh, it could be northeast. I don't know. It, it, we just drive into the town, and um, it's mostly retirees from America and Canada. No way. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, That's cool America, though. It, 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 it just shows you how many people, you know, know how, how nice it is down there. Oh yeah. You see American flags and Canadian flags and you drive down the street and you're thinking, am I back in San Diego 
this is right. These sidewalks and everything, you know, it looks like you're, you're at home and then you turn down one street and it's dirt and Oh, now I know where I'm at. Okay. Uh, right. I've, I just have really enjoyed the, uh, the change of life and the culture. My wife brings a, a whole new dimension, a whole new dimension to, to my life. And, um, uh, I'm glad that she gets to experience some of the stuff that, uh, that I do. Her first off-road race ever was Havasu. No way. Yep. That, well, that, <laughs> that me bring her to the worst track right off the bat. So if she can handle that, she can handle any race. I think we won. Well, Hey, if you do good, it doesn't matter where you're at, but yeah. I, I enjoy, I enjoy Like I said, every time I've been in Havasu, I've been on the podium. So I enjoy being on the lake. It's always a good time. There's a lot of people there having a blast. Most of the time the race is during spring break. So we've always, we've always had a good time there. It's only a couple hours away from me, but I think it's uh especially if you own a boat, it's a cool place to be. We've ridden jet skis and all kinds of stuff around there. So it's, it's cool for sure. I bet you she had a blast, but it's, it's, it's awesome to be able to experience those types of things together. It was super eye-opening for her. You know, I was working on four different machines under my tent at the time. So I was pretty busy the whole time. And um, the second one she got to go to was Canyon. And um, she liked it better than Havasu. And her sister lived at the time over the mountain in the housing track. I know exactly where that is. Right, right on the other side of the mountain. Yeah, right probably on the other side of the mountain. Yeah, 10, 15 minutes away. Not even. That's that's so funny. So we're I I bet she had a blast. You can see family tracks a little bit easy, a little bit bigger, you know, a little bit less clustered. Half is a little tight, so it can be kind of kind of difficult for for some things. But yeah, Canyon's a great venue. We had a blast yeah. there a few weeks ago. I don't think she watched the race. She, I'm sure that she wasn't worried about a thing. No, she was, <laughs> I was working with the Simmonses and Sloan at Canyon. And I think she was talking to Craig's wife and I don't think she looked at the racetrack one time. That's so funny. Yeah. And yeah, she's, yeah, she's awesome. Craig's wife is super cool. So I bet they had a blast. And, yeah. They talked and, and, and when we, when we showed up to the race this a couple of weeks ago, we had came from her sister's house. Um, we came out to see family and we just wanted to stop by. Right. And see, I didn't expect I, to see you. I was, that was, that was weird. I wouldn't, I didn't know what was going on. Um, yeah, we just, we, we, we needed every weekend. We shoot promotional videos for the week coming for ATV talk. And I, I really was missing the works people, you know, all of you guys. Of course we missed you too. It's, it's like family. Like you said, we've, we've been racing for so many years and uh, you know, we, we would do anything for each other. So to not see your friends out there, it sucks. You know, you want to see everyone you can, because usually it's the only time that we all get to catch up. Well, yeah. And I didn't get to talk to any of you guys because you all, all on the starting line. And I, I ran down the, the lines really quick. Um, we shot a video right in front of the pro line um, for ATV talk. And we did some promotions for works on our, on our site and our stuff. And, um, I saw that. Yeah. It turned out great. It was a lot, a lot of fun. And, uh, like I said, we're trying to get back because we just, uh, I want to go back. I don't know if my wife wants me to go back, but I want to go back. 
you know, we would love to see you back. I, I hope that you can make it because it's just, it's not the same. Well, I don't know if I'll come back in the same capacity. That's what we're trying to work out now. Um, I have some, I've had some conversations with Randy about some uh, promotional stuff for, for you pro guys on the podium. Um, well, I would love to work something out for that. Uh, That'd be great. I'm working with some, some uh, lower class riders to uh, do some development. And um, I think working with them and, and maybe not coming in as their mechanic, but coming in as just somebody to help them through the, through the transition from the C class to the B class to the A class might be something that I can do. Right. I completely agree. I think that you'd, you'd be very beneficial to somebody that's in that position or any position, but that might be a little bit easier where you don't have to be, you know, as deep as you were um, at the pro level, you know, you gotta be at every race. So it's just a little bit different. I don't think I'm too old and I don't think I've lost anything. I think I'm still able to do it. Um, I mean, I was at any given time. It's just uh, things broke down. Unfortunately, uh, we did, you know, some people wanted to change their programs, which is great. And uh, unfortunately there was an injury to a younger rider uh, that didn't allow him to come back, which didn't allow me to come back, which worked out for my family because my mom, um, I think everybody knows already my mom is ill and, um, it just, uh, it's a difficult thing to deal with. And, um, I need to be here to support dad as much as possible. And my brother and I and our wives are, are doing everything that we can to, uh, to make it okay. Right. And you got to be there. And I think everything works out as it should right now. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure that that is the time for you to be there. So you just gotta, you gotta go with it. And, and when it feels right, it's right. So I, I, I'm sure that we'll see you back there, but I think right now it's most important for, for family and to be there for her. So, you know, I, I don't think that, uh, it'll be too long before we see you back out there. I'm sure that you'll figure something out to, to come, uh, you know, get a little bit more involved and, and, and do what you love. I, I hope I can work it out. I really do because I would love to come back. Um, Evan, I want to thank you so much for taking your time. I know that you have a very, very busy schedule and, and it was everything we could do to get you on, on when we did. Um, I want to extend the invitation like I do most everybody else for you to come back when you have time or when we have some new developments, maybe at the end of the year, maybe the beginning of next season, depending on how everybody's schedule breaks down. Um, I'll tell you this, which everybody will already know before, before this comes out, you're, it's going to drop probably um, the 14th of June. Um, episode 65. Just so okay, perfect. I yeah. On the, I do tape months or weeks ahead. I know that we're in the first week of, uh, of March right now. So some people are like, what? But um, I'm, a, I'm a freak about having enough content. And I have to tape when I can get people to tape. And uh, I'm not going to stop uh, doing interviews and, and taping shows, even if there's a delay because um our schedules might not have met, met up right and i would have right. and i would have missed the opportunity to have a conversation with you and have you on the show and i just i just can't do that 
Right. And I'd, I'd love to come back. I think maybe later in the season, we'll get some more races under our belt, see how we do with that next Arizona round. And I think we're going to, there's a lot of things that uh, we didn't even touch base on that. I think we have some good things we can go over and we'll have a little bit more races to talk about next time I'm, uh, I'm on. And I think it'd be really good and good for the sport. So I, I look forward to it. I had a good night. It was, it was fun. We didn't, we didn't even talk about your past career. Really. We brushed over the top of it so we could go back and, and, and probably have a whole conversation just on some of the old motocross days uh, at Speed World and Glen Helen. Yeah, I think that would that would make for some great content. There's just so much to try and shove in. I knew if we got talking about that, it would take up all the time. So I tried to talk about a little bit more of what's current, what we've been racing, the people that have been helping me and this and that. And um, I, I think that would that would be a little bit more um you know, uh, in depth of the things that people don't know about me and, and some stuff about my brother and this and that. So I, I think it would be a, a good opportunity for both of us. I would, I would like it if, if when you, uh, when we talk next time, you can bring that up. Um, I didn't want to, I wasn't sure how to, I'm thank you for, for bringing that up and, and you can tell me more about that or tell us more about that. Um, and how everything's going. Uh, I know that that's a, 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 an opening in your heart that'll never be filled. And um, I, I don't even have words just to express other than I'm sorry. And that I hope that uh, every day his lessons and, and the things that he taught you bring you peace. Right. I wouldn't be the person I am if it wasn't for what I've been through and the things that he taught me. So I'm grateful for the time we spent together and uh, what I do to try and carry on his legacy and racing with his number for almost a decade and things like that. I think it'd be cool to talk about and it's, it's important to me. But that's just, that's another thing that would just, it's, it's kind of its own deal. I know it would take up a lot of time. So I think that would be cool if we could touch base more on that. Well, excellent. I'll definitely reach out in the next few weeks and uh, see how your schedule breaks down. And we'll uh, we'll get into some other conversations and plan something. I would really like to uh, plan it after you come back from your from your injury and see how you're doing and and see how it breaks down for you. Absolutely, I have a feeling that we're going to knock off a win here, and we're going to have some stuff to talk about, and that'll be that'll be cool for my brother to to, to do that for not only myself for him, but I have a strong feeling we're going to get a win sooner than later. So hopefully before the end of the year, but we'll have some good stuff to talk about. I know, and I have a good feeling, so I'm not rushing at coming back because I know there's a lot of good things in store. I have no doubt. So you got years and years and years of racing left in you. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to. And I throw it away. I feel like. I feel like we're right on the verge of being where I really would like to be. So I just, uh, just some time of, of getting healed up and, and not trying to overdo it, you know? Well, make sure you take care of yourself. Please tell your dad. I said, hello. And that, um, if you guys ever need anything, you know, the you can always reach out. TV talk. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You've always been there Do for email me. Email us at yeah, hello. Thank you so much for coming on ATV talk. Evan Spooner. Uh, it was it was a pleasure, and uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, you get better, and come back out and, and get that win. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Have a great night. Have a good night. All right. Bye bye. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center, with over 17 years' experience. Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs, and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. 
Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.